Welcome to The Gospel in the Game, a podcast by Trinity United Methodist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Join us as we look together for the gospel of Christ in the games we love. This is The Gospel in the Game, Episode 8. Today's scripture is from Ezra, Chapter 3, Verses 8-13. through 13. In the second month of the second year after their arrival of the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Josadak, and the rest of the people, the priests and the Levites, and all who had returned from captivity to Jerusalem began to work. They appointed the Levites, 20 years old and older, to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Joshua and his sons, and the brother of Cadmiel and his sons, descendants of Hodavia, and the sons of Hinnadad and their sons and brothers, all Levites, joined together in supervising those working on the house of God. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priest in their vestments, and with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asap, with cymbals, took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David the king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good! His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and the older Levites and the family heads who had seen the former temple wept. They wept aloud when they saw the foundations of this temple being laid. While many others shouted for joy, no one could distinguish the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard from very far away. I'm Becca Bybee, and this is today's devotion, called The Gospel in Spectating. I, maybe like you, have been a spectator in way more games than I have played in. I, maybe unlike you, have never wanted to be the one playing the sport at hand. I played one softball season in elementary school until my dad gave up on his dream of having an athletic daughter. I danced competitively, but I think that was mostly because my sister made the dance company and they thought it would be rude not to include her younger sister. I don't consider myself to be a competitive person. Don't get me wrong, if I'm arguing ideas with you, I'm in it to win it. But if I'm playing a game with you, I don't usually have any cares to spare about who wins and who loses. From 2016 to 2022, my job was in youth ministry. And do you know what really matters to a lot of teenagers? The sports that they play matter. And while I don't consider myself particularly interested in high school football or middle school soccer, I was interested in the success of the kids I served in ministry. So I had to go to a lot of games, games that I didn't necessarily care about the outcome, but I cared about the students. And at those games, I would get sucked into the atmosphere of cheering, support, laughter, lightheartedness, determination, and even disappointment. The feeling that comes from being in a crowd of people all hoping for the same outcome and feeling the same emotion is something called collective effervescence. Collective effervescence is a term coined by a sociologist in 1912, which can be defined as when a community or society comes together and simultaneously communicates the same thought and participates in the same actions. These events often cause a collective effervescence which excites the individual and serves to unify the group. You know the feeling of collective effervescence. Think of the atmosphere that you get sucked into at a sporting event or a concert or even a board game night with your friend. For the time that you are there, something of the stress of the world melts away as you hope with those around you for a specific outcome. 
Collective effervescence is something that we experience in worship as well. But we might describe that as the feeling of the Holy Spirit being in the room, that feeling that unites us in our experience of worship and melts away the stress of the world, inspiring and equipping us to be in ministry to all of the world in Jesus' name. What does it say about God and God's intentional creation of us that our hearts are strangely warmed when we are all in one place, striving together for good? I think it reminds us that God created us to need one another and to need God when the winds are flowing or even when we're losing. Perhaps it's not the feeling of effervescence that matters, but the collective in which we are called to participate. There's a part of scripture that gets me every time I read it. It's what we just read from the prophet Ezra, whose job it was to lead a community of Jewish people back from exile to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding the temple. Ezra was a Torah expert who wanted to focus on community renewal and faithfulness to God's commands. And so Ezra leads these groups of people back to Israel when they start to rebuild the temple. And we see great shouts of praise with trumpets blaring. We see hope swelling in the crowd. We see that collective effervescence. When we think of that collective effervescence, we should think about the scene of Israel breaking ground on the new temple and praising God for getting them to this point. But we also see an older generation in great turmoil, weeping aloud as they witness the foundation of the new temple being laid. And we don't know precisely why they wept. But we do know that these men and women had lived with the memory of the first temple for 40 years. For 40 years, they prayed that God would return them from exile and that a new temple would be built. Maybe they wept because they knew they would never see the new temple completed. Maybe they wept because they couldn't imagine anything surpassing the splendor and meeting of the first temple. No one could distinguish the sounds of shouts of joy from the sounds of despair in the cacophony of praise and sorrow. That mix of grief and joy sounds a lot like what I think watching a football game sounds like in that stadium. Either way you slice it, someone will leave happy and someone will leave disappointed. And perhaps that is a reason why we participate in any fandom. While we know we have a chance to leave satisfied, or the chance to leave disappointed, we still are there. And we never leave disappointed or leave satisfied alone. I've experienced watching a student lose a state championship game in the final minute. And I saw how her community surrounded her in that loss. She was disappointed, but she did not leave alone. The Jewish people who wept as they watched their faith and hope confirmed by the rebuilding of the temple had people around them to talk about their complex feelings and memories of the old temple. They were not alone. There is more to be said about being a spectator in your life of faith, and that is not what I'm encouraging you to do. However, I am encouraging you to be a spectator in the spectacle of how God works in your life and in the lives of those of your community. The Jewish community elders got to do just that. They watched how God's plan unfolded for them, and they responded authentically, knowing that God could handle their emotions. I'm encouraging you to worship with the people around you and to get swept up in the magnificence of God's work worldwide, just like we get swept up in watching our team score in the final minutes. Staying in love with God is often more complicated than staying in love with a sports team. After all, a sports team is less consequential in your life than God's action. When church 
God and community feel too complex or too complicated, I want to remind you of the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he went to the cross. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Perhaps the feeling of that effervescence that we experience in community, that joy, is a reminder of the fact that even in the midst of suffering, Jesus has overcome the world and calls us to be world overcomers as well. Will you pray with me? Loving God, let us be swept into your collective effervescence. Let us experience that collective love that you shine forth in all you do. Give us the space and the clarity to remember that your goodness, your mercy, and your grace are bigger than any of the complicated and complex emotions we bring to you. Give us a community that can handle the parts of us who weep when others cheer. Let us be that community for others who need it. Let us always point to your work in the world with awe. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. This has been a production of Trinity United Methodist Church in Huntsville, Alabama. Check us out online at trinityhsv.org. We hope God has been present today for you in this podcast.